0: welcome to the awakened man podcast where we promulgate that your physical psychological and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness here we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles Arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date, holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Good morning, everybody. Hello, this is Gregory.
1: Welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man. I hope you're doing well today as we enter into May. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the May. Here we go. Either way, today we're going to talk about ways to elevate your sexual market value if you're a man in your 20s. So we always kind of bemoan the man in his 20s on one level because they lack experience. There's that saying, youth is wasted on the young, all right? But when you're young, you're young, dumb, and fully, you know what, and you're kind of led by your Johnson. But there's certainly benefits, of course, to being in your 20s. You're not jaded yet. You're not pessimistic about the world, perhaps. And, of course, you have a lot more vigor and uh, virility. We're going to give tips to the 22-year-old man, 20-year-old man, on what he can do to make his SMV super high 10, 15 years from now. The obvious one of course is going to be your career because sexual market value for a man is fundamentally different than women. We know that women are human beings, men are human doers. So if a woman is born with poor beauty or lack of beauty or is overweight already at 18, uh, unless she loses the weight, there's really not much that can happen to her in terms of her sexual market value going up. See, in the old days before morbid obesity, even ugly women, think of Sarah Jessica Parker, Horseface, she would still get be seen as attractive because women, let's say 100 years ago, as a whole, were not overweight. And so you could have an unattractive face but still have a really nice body and men would be attracted to you. But now, even unattractive face women like Sarah Jessica Parker, a lot of them are fat, and so they're women. They don't really have a sexual market value at all, and they're going to be, unfortunately, not desired. But in general, if a woman is relatively attractive or very attractive, she is not really going to have to earn her sexual market value because it's all based on beauty, youth, and fertility. somewhat on virtue. But we know a sexual market value of females, it's really high and strong in her 20s. Most of the time she doesn't parlay that into things that are beneficial like marrying a good quality man and and starting to have children young. She goes to her career and wastes her her fertility years on a career that ultimately isn't going to be there for her when she's on her deathbed. But eventually it topples in her 30s and then she's under the number one from 40 to 80 as she's lost her fertility and eventually goes into menopause. Now men are different. Our sexual market value is mostly based on our ability to provide. In the old days, of course, it was providing the biggest cave, the the largest piece of meat from the predator they killed on the hunt and so forth. So what can a 20-year-old man do that's going to essentially translate into success in our Paleolithic wiring, because we're essentially, most of Homo sapiens sapien existence has been in the Paleolithic world. We're just in the modern world, just a a blip. So, of course, the big thing is going to be making money. So what can you do in your 20s that are going to help you make money? Well, clearly, you can go into professions that are going to be lucrative. Now, you, you should pick something that is something that you like, and that you're successful in. So if you have an aptitude for math, for example, maybe you don't want to be going into something that really doesn't use math a lot. And if you're into people skills, maybe go into sales. Either way, don't pick the liberal arts college. Don't pick philosophy, political science, psychology, history, because even if you go and get the terminal degrees for these fields, which is the PhD, the PhD doesn't make a lot of money. There's a lot of oversupply of PhDs right now because these these schools, of course, have been cranking them out because they make money off of, of the tuition. But now for like every one tenure track position that's available, even pre-COVID, there were something like 80 applicants. So don't go into that. So if, if you have very high IQ and a high study ethic, of course, go into medicine, law. You can even go into engineering, accounting. If you, if you want to avoid these fields and you feel like you're kind of business-oriented, then you can start a business early on, online, or, or whatever it is. I mean, there's so many opportunities now with the internet that, that didn't exist before. But my point is, don't fall for the trap of going into a field that you like. Like, my father was a pathologist, but I loved geography as a kid. and He's like, hey, Gregory, you need to go into a field that makes money. And I was like, Dad, whatever. I love geography. So I got my degrees in history and geography, which is a colossal mistake. So again, I'm a cautionary tale. So go into a degree. Let's say medicine. So have a very high GPA in college. If you want to date, just be wary, glove up and rinse out those condoms. Don't get dicknapped. Don't fall in love. I know this is hard, but you got to think about your 35-year-old self. Your 35-year-old self is going to thank you later after we get to that point. So you get your your bachelor's degree, you worked hard, so now you go to medical school. And then in medical school, it's really up to your proclivities and what you want to pick in. But most most people go to medical school now uh, go into specialties because there's just more money to make there than family doctor. So go into whatever field you want. Dermatologists make something like almost $350,000 a year and and they don't really deal with life or death death stuff. But you could be an orthopedic surgeon. You could be whatever you want. Look, look, I'm just using medicine as an example. You could go into engineering if you want. But even with law, you know, law makes decent money. But even now there's a surplus of lawyers in most cities. Whereas medicine, I mean, certainly the, the face of medicine is changing. You see that PAs are really taking over for a lot of the of the family doctors, but the specialties are still doing well. So let's say you go into uh, radiology. You don't really want to deal with people. You just want to read X-rays in your room. That's great. So you you graduate from medical school at 26. You probably will have some debt because medical school, unless your family's paying for it, you you typically can't get loans for that. But that's okay because a typical radiologist makes about $300,000 a year, and it's a pretty easy gig. So now you're 26, 27. Let's say you finish your internship residency by 28. So during med school, same thing, hopefully you didn't date much and certainly you didn't fall in love and get a woman pregnant because now that you have the MD after med school and you've done your residency and let's say you take your boards and let's say by the age of 30, by the age of 30, you're set. Now, by the age of 30, in the female equivalent, they're already in decline. And see, and this this goes to the old adage, men age like fine wine, women age like sour milk. Because a man in his 30s is just at the prime of his life. He hasn't even entered his peak sexual market value years, which start in about five years. But he's already got everything lined up. If you're 30 and you're about to enter a career where the average salary is, let's say, 250, and you have no kids and you're not married, you're already in good shape. Now, if, if during that time, those 10 years in your 20s, you were able to save, we have that episode here on compound interest, you know, put away $100 a month or whatever, then you're even in better shape. If you have savings, or let's say you had some money from your family, made some real estate deals or whatever, or you just have family money and you already have some money in the bank, plus you're gonna be making 250, 300K for the rest of your life and you're only 30 and you have 35 years, if not 40 years of working, you are set. So, the biggest thing about kind of prepping your sexual market value is, of course, your career because we're defined by how we provide. And that's kind of the blessing of being a man because with a woman, it's all based on beauty. But even the most beautiful woman like Gigi Hadid in 20 years is going to look like her mom, which Yolanda Hadid's not unattractive, but it's going to be plastic surgery and she's past her peak and she can't have kids. But in 20 years, even if you're at 30, you're going to be 50 and that's like younger than Brad Pitt. And Look at Brad Pitt. So you always got to think long-term, men, in your 20s. Think long-term. What are things that are going to elevate my sexual market value? So clearly career. Because you can be an unattractive man. And there's tons of Hollywood examples, comedians in particular. Tons of these examples, athletes, that are not good-looking. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Not good-looking, dude. You know, for every Tom Brady and maybe Aaron Rodgers, you have like Patrick Mahomes. He's not a good-looking dude. But it doesn't matter because women will overlook beauty for the way they're wired, which is provisioning and status and hypergamy. So the number one thing is your finances. Get that in order. We talk about the thing that destroys a man's sexual market value the most is poverty, a man who's poor. He could be good looking, but if he's good looking and charismatic, but he's poor, you know what we call that? We call that Chad and Tyrone. Chad and Tyrone are not rich typically. So let's say you already got your finances. You already have everything planned out. You're 30 years old and you're wealthy. So what else? Your physical health, of course, that's important. Ideally, try to stay in shape, but this is not paramount. But ideally, stay in shape for you. So you'll have a long life to live. Also in your 20s, hopefully, and certainly in high school, you didn't pick up any addictions like binge drinking and future alcoholism and porn. That's great. Typically, the studious types probably didn't go to a lot of parties but conversely though a lot of a lot of people who go to law school med school do drink a lot to get the edge off of the stress but if you can get out of your educational years let's say by 25 or 30 and you don't have any major addictions that's great your financial health is set your physical health is set you have no addictions That are going to ravage you because I mean, look for every you know successful doctor. We'll just keep the doctor example. There's House, right? There's there's Gregory House from the old show. So you don't want to have or like my father. My father was a functional alcoholic. So you don't want these things are going to sidetrack your career. So now let's say you're 35. You've already started your career. You started your private practice. You're already saving money. You're paying off your debt, but again, you're making 350k a year. You're going to pay off that debt pretty quickly especially if you save. Most men are frugal. They understand the adage, live like a pauper in your twenties and thirties. So you can live like a King in your forties and fifties and sixties and seventies. So most men as a whole don't overspend. Most men as a whole, they don't. And you're in a great situation for the rest of your life. So it's all about thinking long-term. And the number one thing is not necessarily getting your six, sixes and your six pack abs in particular, the six, sixes. But it's really about setting yourself financially. Now, the other part of that, of course, is going to be purging your relationship thirst and being masculine. Because how many nerdy Albert from Hitch, you know, Kevin James character doctors do you know or accountants that you know? And in fact, in the movie, I think he's an accountant. But how many of these guys do you know? Are the Indian doctors, the Asian doctors who have a lot of money. And so they are going to attract women. But they don't know what to do with these women because they don't know how to be masculine and they certainly they don't have discernment to see the gold diggers for who they are. And then certainly if they haven't had a lot of luck with women because they were always studying, they don't have the wherewithal to have her sign a prenup. So now they're really set up to get screwed over by these women because, yeah, the women, when you're rich, wealth is a double-edged sword. You're more likely to get good girls, but you're also more likely to get the gold digger types. And so... If you don't have experience with women, and certainly if you don't know how to practice and and exercise your your masculinity, you're going to get de-napped. You're going to fall in love, and you won't make her sign the prenup. And then if you're just one of those wussy guys, even though you're bringing a lot of money, your wife's going to start doing the shit test. And if you're failing them because you're just kind of a beta, obsequious, simpy guy, uh, that's not going to be good for your marriage. So while you're, you're, you're working hard in med school or whatever your field is to get a lot of money, you need to be purging the thirst, the idea that you are the king and you are the catch. Because certainly if you're making or planning to make $300,000 a year or more in business or medicine or law, or whatever, you're going to be the king of the catch. Absolutely, you're the king of the catch. And as the king of the catch, there are certain types of women that you should not tolerate to marry. You would never deign to marry. And this is no offense to these women, but these women made mistakes and we all make mistakes that we have to kind of live with the rest of our lives. But if you're a 35-year-old man making 350k, you are not going to marry a fat 40-year-old. You're not going to marry a fat single mom. You're not going to marry a woman who has a lot of debt, consumer student loan debt, who's your age. You're not going to marry a woman with no mental health problems. You'd be a fool because you're not parlaying your SMV. You should get the 23, 24-year-old, somewhat virtuous woman who doesn't have a lot of mileage on her who doesn't have the aforementioned things, who's not a single mom and so forth, because you have the ability to get it. Just like beautiful women, and if you women are listening, like my troll, if you women are listening, a beautiful 23-year-old isn't going to marry a fat, ugly janitor. Why would she do that? Because she can get something better. So we don't shame the woman for not picking the fat, ugly janitor, but you you, you shame the man who can get the young, the younger, beautiful wife. That's not right. Cause look, both sexes are shallow. We're shallow in different ways. So either way, if you don't purge the thirst and realize your life is perfectly happy without a woman, you're liable to make these simple mistakes, like picking the the aforementioned type women. So you've worked really, really hard to get this degree and have all these finances set up, only to marry somebody, have a couple of kids with her, and she divorces you and takes half your assets and all the aforementioned things we always talk about here. But even then, the good news about you, though is that since you've already laid the groundwork to have a career that you're going to keep making money, you'll recover quicker from divorce than let's say the man who's a teacher who gets divorce raped and now he's 50 and doesn't have time to rebuild his finances because he doesn't make a lot of money. So in short, purging the relationship thirst is the number two thing. But the number one thing is setting up your finances. Like for me, I should have listened to my father. I should have become a doctor. I was the brightest of my three uh brothers, my two other brothers in terms of book smarts, and I should have listened to him and gone into the career that he wanted me to do. And I loved medicine, I loved anatomy, but I didn't listen to him. And so I don't have that livelihood. So again, I'm not somebody that you should strive to be emulate. I'm I'm a cautionary tale. So please, guys, in your 20s, think long term. And the key is pick a degree that you're good at, that you have passion for, but you have an aptitude for. And during your studious years, Do not fall in love and certainly do not impregnate a woman. No, you shouldn't have any children until you're at least 35. Enjoy your 20s and 30s. Travel the world. Live your life because you can settle down later on because you don't have a ticking time bomb of fertility like women do at that equivalent age. You don't. So enjoy your 20s. Pray. Thank God. See the world. Limit your fornication. If not, be a good celibate, chaste man. I have an episode on that. And then in your 35, 40, if that's when you want to marry, then you're going to have the, the peak optimization, like the optimized man, the peaked optimization to find a woman who's much younger, who's good for you, and you can start a family. But make sure you realize you're the king, you're the catch. You have her son or prenup, and you maintain frame, and you maintain masculinity because you are the king and the catch. And even though after you sign the Fausty impact that is the marriage contract, you use a lot of leverage, if you signed, if she signed the prenup and she's the highest branch to which she can monkey branch to because you're making so much money, she's likely going to stay with you and likely if you keep maintaining frame and passing shit tests, you can have a successful and happy marriage. But much of it is contingent on the money. No money, there's no honey. Guys, I hope this helped you guys in your 20s. Listen, if you appreciate my content in any way, please post an honest review. If you have an Apple product, go to the Awakened Man podcast on the Purple Podcast app and scroll down. You'll see where it says write a review. Write a review if you want to write something that helps even more. But if you just want to put in the five-star review or whatever star review you want to give me, that does help with the analytics as well. But the more you write, the better. Also, there's two links in the episode notes. One for PayPal if you want to donate some money. We appreciate that to defray the cost of hosting this on Apple and SoundCloud or wherever. And also there's a link to naturopathicearth.com, my website. Click on that. It takes you over there. You can see all the articles that we have. Every episode recorded is over there, even the first 114 that you can't get on the, the feed over at Apple because they only have 300 episodes that they they allow you to contain there. And you can check out all the articles. You can also see my two books on the homepage on the right side. If you click on those books, it takes you to Amazon. You're more than welcome to buy my books there. But also, whatever you buy on Amazon within 24 hours by going through any of the links on our website. And the other place you can find our links is not just on the books, but also if you go through the recipes. A lot of the ingredients to buy those, to make those items, are linked to Amazon. So any way that you get to Amazon from my website, we're Amazon affiliate. So anything that you buy on Amazon within 24 hours, we get a 2% commission, no expense to you. Also, if you need to talk one-on-one, reach out to me on clarity.fm and we can talk on the phone. And lastly, if you want to please save a man, stop his waiting. let's get this algorithm to send this message out to more men. I think I, when you type in MGTOW or Red Pill, I'm one of the top three podcasts that do come up, at least on the Apple feed. And that's because of you posting reviews and subscribing. So please subscribe and post an honest review for The Awakened Man. Also go check out the Female Holistic Health Apothecary and Confessions of an Obese Child. Until next time, take care. God bless. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to The Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at The Awakened Man Podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than Needham. Until next time. Music courtesy of Nine Inch Nails.